Hey, you kids, get off my lawn with your Bayesian <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Major Visions. I'm John Walter, and with me as usual, not always, just usual tonight, uh, with me as usual are Jeff Atkins from Virginia Commonwealth University and Grace Wilkinson from Iowa State. How are you guys? Doing well. How about you, John? You know, I'm happy I'm home. (laughs) All right. Where you been? Uh, most recently, Savannah, Georgia, for the annual Gypsy Moth Review, the finest conference in all of the land. There's a review for that? There is. I think this dates from time past, when there were a lot more people studying Gypsy Moth. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's an annual meeting of scientists and managers and uh that's pretty much about it uh and we talk about the latest in gypsy moth research and we talk about what is happening on the ground uh for people who are trying to uh manage gypsy moth spread and also uh uh suppress defoliation and stuff like that um Mostly for me, it's a chance to kind of catch up with some collaborators and have fun for a little bit. And uh, usually they're in, you know, decent places. Um, So this year was Savannah. And uh, in the past, I've gone to Charleston for Gypsy Moth stuff. And so, you know, it's a it's a fun time. How how are the Gypsy Moth? Uh, The Gypsy Moth are are interesting. Uh, For the first time in like 30 years we've had a pretty severe outbreak in uh new england um some uh some drought years have knocked down a fungal pathogen that is important in suppressing outbreaks uh and so it's been uh the gypsy moth has been outbreaking uh for the last two summers in um you know massachusetts rhode island uh, that area, um, spread is kind of just, you know, chugging along, nothing, uh, nothing too fancy and exciting there. How many, how many people come to the Gypsy Moth annual review? Uh, you know, probably, uh, I'm going to guess maybe around 75 this year. It's a pretty big party. Yeah, I mean, so we get people from just about every state that is in the Gypsy Moth program, uh, plus, uh, you know, a number of researchers and um, a few Canadian provinces that uh, deal with Gypsy Moth, too. So it's it's an interesting, it's an interesting mix. Grace, what have you been up to? You know, I really haven't been up to much. It's... Um, we've reached that point in the semester where you look out upon your your lecture hall and you think, what am I doing here? And they're staring back at you and they're saying, 
what am I doing here? And and I was talking to a couple <laughs> couple colleagues about this. This is apparently not just a me phenomenon. And uh, so, you know, we've reached that point in the semester. And Thanksgiving break is almost upon us. And so I think that's going to be really rejuvenating. That's that's about how I am. <laughs> I'm in the same boat and totally with you. Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah. I have one one quick banter question for you all, um, and then we'll get to the real fun, which, by the way, the thing I totally sent you, I think, is totally off, and we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But um, there's been a lot of talk on the interwebs about, uh, well, Jen, you and I were talking about this a little bit today, the simple statistical design in ecology, the idea of trying to design a study basically I'm going to simplify the simplification of this basically to design a study as simple as you possibly can so that something like an even straight t-test could tell your results and that basically and I don't want to put words in the blogosphere's mouth but that a lot of times the overly complicated statistical rigor and methods that we use is to compensate for poor experimental design wait what? Is that a unfair characterization of a series of blogs that you've read over the last month, the month and a half, John? I don't think that's an unfair characterization. Um, so there's a... Well... There, there's two sides to this coin. There's the... You know, there's a side of the coin that says... You know, if you can design an experiment... That you can run a t-test on... That's, that's great and you shouldn't overcomplicate it. And there's the other side of the coin of like uh how many how many ecology studies can you really design that you can analyze with a t-test? Yes, that are meaningful right. at all. Boom. Yeah, that's the thing that I really got out of it. I was like I'm reading these these reports. We could put the links on them. It's from I know Stephen Hurd had one and then I guess was it Jeremy who had the other one? Yeah. Yeah, on on D and E. So almost our con dynamic ecology DNA. Um, yeah, I was like, none of none of my stuff looks like that. Like maybe I'm just doing science all wrong. No. I, mean, I don't know. Not everything looks like the iris data set in R, right? Like if everything looked that beautiful and that simple, like geez, piece of cake. I mean, here's the thing though: is like ecology is a lot of different things, but all of us primarily analyze observational data. And observational yes. data is messy. Yeah. And you need methods that can do an, an appropriate job of accounting for that messiness, whether that's something as complicated as like a Bayesian hierarchical model, or if it's just a mixed effects model where, you know, you can throw in, you know, site variation and, you know, things like that to test for whatever variable you think is meaningful in your system. Absolutely. And, you know, and even for things like whole ecosystem experiments and other types of experimental ecology, I doubt that something like a t-test... I'm, like, trying to rack my brain for a time where that's been used. <laughs> I'm sure it has, but, you know, that... that um 
perhaps you could address your question that way, but wow, how how much would you be missing by not interrogating the data in a different way or simply designing the experiment to only address the question in that one way and nothing else? Yeah, beat that data. Beat it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I understand like there's there's somewhat of a feedback of what, you know, this like arms race maybe. I I could see how <laughs> someone could portray a lot of the statistics and methods that you see in papers as being this arms race to like make it as overly complicated as possible it seems like on the surface i mean, like i've read a couple of papers where i'm like what are you even doing here like i've had to go out and like look through textbooks to be able to um, you know offer reasonable feedback on that but um it just seems like a curmudgeonly old man thing to me yeah you know just be like oh you kids get off my lawn with your Bayesian <laughs> nonsense <laughs> i say this is like i'm i'm nine chapters into and a semester into like trying to learn Bayesian stats with a friend of mine and still have no idea how this would ever apply to like real world situations. <laughs> if coin flipping ever comes up in like any of my experiments, like I'm good to go. I got that. Yeah, you know, I guess where I come down on it is like you know, you shouldn't make your statistics more complicated than you need to. Like I start most of Absolutely. my analyses with like you know plotting some shit and making some histograms <laughs> i want that to be the first line of a methods section one day uh, like and, you know and, and like maybe making some correlation matrices and then i might go from there to like standard ordinary least squares linear models well, you're already over my head. I'm done. I'm out. But but like, let's pass that t test. But I've 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 done. I don't I don't think that I've ever written a paper where that's sufficient, right? Because you know some assumption is violated, or there's just not a way to get at what I really need to get at, and you know control for different sources of variation, and you know what have you. Um, with that simple and analytical framework. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with you. I, Jeff, I think you kind of said something, you said something important there when you said the, um, that it can be really difficult. Like, you know, you, you read somebody's paper and you have to go to textbooks to understand. And I think we could all do a better, better job of not like intentionally obfuscating our statistics just to sound smarter, but to try to do our due diligence and add a sentence about like what the test does and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. That might help with some justification. Um, we, we could all do a better job in that as, as ecologists, I think. And perhaps then there wouldn't be this blowback. But I, I want to preface this with I have not read these blog posts, but I just find it ridiculous, a ridiculous assertion that we should be designing ecological experiments to be tested with a t-test. Yeah, I mean, not specifically, but you know, the yeah, kind of, yeah. But no, I mean, I, mean, I think it's good. I mean, I do remember, I mean, the one general, the one article I'm thinking about specifically, I remember writing a, a note to the editor, like, hey, 98% of this, I'm really good on like what's going on here but there is like this one thing i really have no idea what they're doing here 
um, feel free to have someone else check that. <laughs> yeah. Like, everything makes sense and it's all logical and it all follows. Data's good, you know, but it's like, I don't really know what this part is here. And um, I mean, I'm not going to lie and be like, yeah, it's probably fine. <laughs> you know, like, I have no idea. Um, but anyway, just wanted to bring that up because it was around the, the sphere making us a reactionary podcast but we're in the moment we're now <laughs> i'm all right with that <laughs> speaking of which are y'all ready for the hotness i am so ready so in my ever uh increasing endeavors to make recurring themes um i really like drafts and i don't know why like i think you should draft more things in life because i think it's a very fair way to to, to choose things and to just kind of have fun with nonsense things, too. Um, this goes from, like, fantasy sports to favorite movies, whatever you want to. So we thought about... Because I think we can all agree that even though we use the impact factor, right? Like, we judge a fair amount of our life by the impact factor. It's kind of a weird thing in general, right? So we thought, wouldn't it be fun to do an impact factor draft? with the idea that we will take turns and we pick a journal and you basically get points for the increase in the impact factor. So you're trying to project impact factor growth from this year to next year for each journal. And I think this will be a good kind of stepping stone for us to talk about various journals, how we select journals, but also kind of the ludicrous nature of the impact factor to begin with. <laughs> Um, which honestly, like, I kind of have an idea of how it's, it's done, but, um, if you had to give, if I had to give you a cogent, like, if I could write out the formula, I would only half guess at it. Grace, do you have a good impact factor definition? Um, I, I think the impact factor inherently is tied to the number of articles that are published and the number of citations that those articles get averaged over the total number of articles published in that year. Does that seem about right Is yeah and the just equation like in front a of me box of magic though <laughs> like from different ones so the one that i sent you all a list of is the insights from thomson reuters from web of science mm -hmm. um, which i think is this i'm not sure if there is a gold standard if there is this is the one that i usually go by let's deem it the sure. gold standard i i okay. also want to take a moment you said that we often use or the impact factor is often used Oh, how did you put it? Never mind. Something about like judging our lives or whatnot. Our <laughs> lives are. Ju I I just want to clarify. It makes me feel better. Our lives are judged by it. I would not like yeah. it, this judgment to come from me <laughs> and out into the world. I would like it to be the world imposing it upon me because then I feel yeah. better about it if it's not so good. <laughs> no, I I don't think that we personally do it, but I know that you know there there are scientists and, and researchers who basically pick a journal solely based on impact factor. Um, I strongly also like to look at is this actual journal reach the population of people who I actually want to communicate the science to, you know, but within that, I mean, a better impact factor is typically considered better, right? I mean, if you look at this list here, uh, just pretty solid journals up here on top. Um, we can get into energy and environmental science, which I've never heard of, but I'm apparently it's banging hot. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but I guess we need to actually establish ground rules since this is really only an idea and we all have a 
sheet here of 1100 entries. I should also say that when I sorted you and sent you the one, the second one, or the last one that has 2006 to 2014, yeah. there were some mismatches from the 15 and uh, 14 data. So some of those don't match up with the actual journals there. Okay. So be wary. I see you're trying to rig it from the beginning. Yeah, no, I'm just being upfront. If you want, like, five minutes, I can, like, make you a little R script that will sort all of it, but I don't... That's kind of not in the spirit of how we do things. Exactly. Nope. No one uses R here. I can't even uh, spell so it. How many rounds do you want to do? How many journals do each of us want to pick? Uh, let's, let's make a time cap, because I don't know how long this is actually going to take. <laughs> I was going to say between okay. five and seven, and, and I like this time cap idea. I was so. thinking five, too. So okay. let's do five and a time cap. All Lovely. Right. Um, regular draft order or snake order? There's only three of us. Let's just do regular draft order. Concur. Um, how do you want to determine who goes first? Uh, birthdays, since I don't know any of your birthdays. And by birthdays, you mean who's uh, nearest, or...? No, let's, let's go... Uh, in in like so if you're well if your birth month is sooner in the year <laughs> you're first okay who okay so alright I like this idea no let's let John um, keep describing this he's <laughs> gonna arrive at how time works here in a minute <laughs> it's all a construct you fuckers <laughs> A flat circle. <laughs> okay, so so who, uh, so who was born? John's in, in August. I'm, I'm August. November. I'm, Fe I'm February. And so yeah, Jeff, you would go first, and then John, and then myself. I'm November. Okay. All right. So so we agree on scoring. Um, you get a cumulative difference. So if it increases, you get that many points. If it goes down, do you want that to be a zero, or do you want it to be negative? Negative. Negative. All right. Wow. We have to have consequences for our bad decisions. Whatever the change is from 2016 to 2017, which, like I said, I don't think comes out until like May or June. So we won't know until then. That's all right. We got a um, midsummer Christmas okay. in July episode. <laughs> all right. So then I get first pick. This is exciting. Um... I'm going to go big or go home, and I'm going to take, first off the board, Nature Plants. All right. Nature Plants? Okay. Yeah. Um, here's my thinking on this. Uh, one, I've never read a copy of Nature Plants. <laughs> um, I probably should have. Uh, Nature Plants just got its first impact factor on 2016, and it starts out at 10, so I'm going to think it's going up next year. Because I'm going to cite the shit out of some nature plants. All right. Uh, technical question. Does it have to be on this list? Or can it be it a journal to... that we know is likely to get listed? See, um, I think it, it's fine if it doesn't have a not, if it has a not available. But it's got to get it. If it doesn't get an impact factor next year, that's a zero. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck. Because otherwise, nature, ecology, and evolution would be a good pick. But they just started last year. Yeah. So would limnology and oceanography letters. But I don't think they're going to Yeah, gonna LNO up. letters would be first or second off the board. Yeah. Damn. All right. 
We can make this a recurring thing, and you can take that in the supplemental draft round. All right. I'm just kidding. That's been... <laughs> All right, John, you are up next. Uh, I'm going to go global change biology. Ooh. What is global change? So it's got an 8.502 from 2016. Um, I don't see it for 2015. What is it? It's 8.4 and 8.0. That's a bold strategy. It's pretty pretty solid around the eights there. I think that we're gonna get a uh, a major uh, backlash against Trumpism and get lots of global change <laughs> studies. I like it. I like it. Oh, I should say for the to the groups of people listening, how we sorted this was I went to the Insights database and just put in like a bunch of the subcategories. So we're working on all the subcategories that are like ecology, conservation biology, limnologies in there, uh, water resources, environmental science, and so we'll post a list. But we did it's not just like randomly drawn. Otherwise, it would be all medical journals that have impact factors three times these. Right. Just our little slice of the world. Um, okay, so... The third pick. Yeah, I think... uh, I want to take it before either one of you do. And I'm having a hard time finding its 2014 ranking, but I'm doing this because I feel pretty confident in the growth between 2015 and 2016, and I'm going to go ahead and grab Ecosystems. Oh, okay. (laughs) It went from 3.75 in 2015 to 4.2. Two in 2016. No, that's a solid. That's some solid growth right there. That's solid. That's why I want to take with the fourth selection one that I believe in, um, and that's ecosphere. Hmm. Oh wow. I like that. I should have taken that. I think that's going to be a good one. I'm an editor for them. That's why really note that. that's why we're gonna go up an impact factor solely that. <laughs> um, with the fifth pick <laughs> in the twenty seventeen impact factor draft, John Walter will take ecography. Ooh. Why? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was aggressive. Because I published a bunch of papers there, and so you have a you have a first personal stake in this. So I have a personal stake in its success. Yes. Okay. That was kind of my ecosphere vote too, but I'm pretty sure Grace just said landscape ecology was dead. What? That's kind of what you inferred. (laughs) When? Where? Huh? Who? Well, it's got a that's all. It's that's what I heard. Um, it's got a higher impact factor than landscape ecology. So, I I meant the entire field oh. of landscape ecology, not the journal. No, we're gonna come make a comeback. Um, okay, Ecolad. Okay, mm, I'm really having a hard time, Jeff. Why isn't this list sorted better? <laughs> because you don't want to do the. Eight I'm just giving you a shit. Um. <laughs> Energy and environmental sciences has averaged a five-point impact factor growth over no. the last three years. You want to know what? First of all, I'm not picking that because, A, I have never heard of it. 
And B, I am not picking that because I went and looked at their editorial board because I'd never heard of it, and I am not happy with the composition of their editorial board, and therefore I am not going to support it. <laughs> These things are very important to me. Oh, Ecology Letters has lost impact. Well, that's probably because they aren't. Never mind. Do you, do you <clears> not going to make. I'm not going to make a, a rude comment. Do you um, think they're going to make a comeback? No. Um. You think Ecology Letters has peaked? I think that's possible. Um, they might have. They might have. Aren't they like a hundred years old? Ecology letters? No, <laughs> they're like twenty years old. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, how do I feel about ecological monographs? That's that's what I'm I'm thinking about right now. Um. Would it make a difference if you knew that they rejected one of my papers? Oh, I'm no, sorry. The they about... just accepted one of mine. Oh, I'm very damn. excited about them nice right work. now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so Grace, this is this is the volatility argument, though, right? Like, you know how like any of these impact factors can be really driven by one paper. Yeah. The fact that Ecological Monographs print publishes what like five papers a year. That's true. And they're this going is, online is... only starting in 2018. So co- color figures they just went with wiley esa did i'm gonna take monographs all right boom i'm feeling that's, strong that's risky but i like it okay i want to go, go john i'm sorry that was rude i'm sorry that they rejected your paper i'm sure it was really good have you gotten it published elsewhere uh no we're res- well we got it uh we got a rejection resubmit so we're gonna resubmit it there oh good hell yeah Oh, good. So our two papers alone can hopefully help carry me in the draft. Yes, potentially. <laughs> hopefully lots of people are into bees. I think they are. Big thing. Okay, where is it? I lost this one. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to bet hard on the future here. And I'm going to go with Earth's future. That AGU journal that just got its first impact factor last year. I guess oh. this year, actually. I thought you were no, making but... a really hokey statement. No, I'm going to bet on Earth's future. Journal. Okay. Um, it's, uh... It, it is an open access journal, I believe, though. So there's, a lot of, there's only 400... No, maybe not. There's 443 total citations, but it got the impact factor to 4.9. Uh, so this, one, this one's risky, but I, I think this one's... A lot of the urban stuff going into there, a lot of the Anthropocene research. I think it's a good one. Could be wrong. Hmm. John, you are up, and believe it or not, but Inland Water Biology is still on the board. As is Pachyderm and Ondontologica. We're going to pick 15 journals out of like 1200 journal of water reuse and desalinization well hot damn madeira and bosks um check journal of genetics and plant breeding i'm sure these are all fine fine folk <laughs> um yeah I'm going to go with environmental health perspectives. I didn't even see that one. What's the impact factor on that right now? Uh, 9.7. That's big time. 
Grace, you have the ninth pick. Mm. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with... I know the suspense. It's killing you. Uh, okay, so for my pick, I'm going to go with environmental science and technology. I, I see big things for ESNT in the coming year. Environmental science and technology. Okay. Um, uh, so we, we decided that ecological or ecology letters has already peaked. Ecomonographs is off the board. Letters, that's what's I mean, down. you might not think that ecology letters has peaked. I have no, I have no horse or any other animal in this fight. That's probably wise. Uh, Journal of Applied Ecology rejected me, so I'm gonna <laughs> go with that. Ecosystems is already gone. You know, I got to say that, you know, talking about like which journals have rejected us or not, it might seem like a ridiculous way to be making this decision. But at the same time, like this is also how I do my football picks. That's true. That's so, true. <laughs> and I have performed mediocre at that as well. So, <laughs> no, this is, yeah, I do the same thing in baseball and football. I'm just like, I just don't like that person. Yeah. So I don't want to deal with them. I never draft any Dallas Cowboys. I, I never draft any Chicago Bears. I don't fight well, anyone that hasn't, really, that hasn't really been that big of a deal lately. They're not really good. Um, okay, I'm going to go to um, remote sensing of environment. I have a sense about this one. I should go remote sensing, but I'm going to go with remote sensing of environment. Which also rejected me. But that's okay. I'm sorry. Nah, it's cool. Nature climate change is steadily climbing too. Still on the board. So is trends in ecology and evolution. Um, I'm going to go with methods in ecology and evolution. Oh man, that's an obvious one. Good one. How'd that one wait so long? I don't know. You guys are just thinking too hard about other things i guess I would props just... to methods of ecology and evolution for publishing a lot of lidar papers lately too like to note that ecology is not one that any of us are seem to be considering it's pretty stable though and i think the way to win this is to go for volatility i agree um i'm just checking out limnology and oceanography right now trying to make some decisions I'm I'm looking low in the list because I feel that that's where some volatility, some jumps could happen. What's been happening with ecological applications? I don't know. Um, it's still solid. High performing journal. Um, okay, so in. 2014, limnology and oceanography was at 3.8, and then 3.66, and then 3.4. Well, damn. 
Um, <laughs> I'm proud to say I was on the board of Aslo during that time. Um, so we're not going with Eleanor. Um, <laughs> I I oh crap can can we pass and come back to me? No, we can't. Oh, is like geophysical research letters on here? Uh, should be. If not, you can take it. That one should be on here. Uh, my rudimentary like, search see, is not finding it. Yeah, I don't see any of the JGR journals, too, but GR, any of the AGU stuff's fine. Okay, I'm going to take geophysical research letters, and we'll look up the, the numbers. Okay. GRL. All right. Um, okay, um, I need volatility. I need craziness. And I think that energy and environmental science is going to decline because that just looks too much like a too much of a rise there. Annual review of entomology, never read. Entomology of dying field. Yeah. Like the actual so, organisms like, or the field itself? Uh, depending on who you ask, both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Plant cell, the GCB. Um, all right. Frontiers in ecology and evolution. Oh, okay. Pretty, I'm pretty happy with my list there so far. You mean, do you mean frontiers in ecology and in the environment? Or frontiers in, environment, in ecology yes. and evolution? Because one's like a predatory open access journal and one's a, you know, ESA journal. Shit. I want the ESA one. That's the one I meant. I'm looking at the other one now. Sure. Right. I can't believe that dude had to take his list down. The predatory, the bills list thing. Oh yeah, I got it. Um, I saved the website before it was taken down. So if All you right. want to... so that's interesting that Frontiers in Ecology and the Environment has like a much higher uh wait, which one Frontiers in Ecology and the Environment is the Is the ESA is one, the right? ESA one. Correct. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm just confused now. I didn't realize the other one existed. Yeah, it's... Is that one on here? Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of doubt it. It's one of these new, like, open access things that... Uh, may or may not be legitimate. They may or may not just want your money and don't give a fuck about how good your science is. Yeah, I don't see it on here, actually. Okay. They may not have an impact factor yet. Okay, cool. All right, you pick. I'm going to learn more about this. I didn't know they were... John, are you picking? Um, I'm sorry, I... I'm just trying to remember the order right now. I'm, uh... Yes, I am picking. I don't know <laughs> what I'm picking, but I am picking. Jeff, can I clarify that this is our final pick? This is the final pick. Oh, thank you goodness. This has been a lot pick. of pressure. Uh, I'm going to go science the total environment. That's a good pick. Wait. Yeah, okay. Has biological reviews been picked? Pick. Nope. nope. I'm taking biological reviews. Alright. They've increased by almost one impact factor point yeah. per year. Wow, that's good, actually. 
maybe as entomology is dying, they're publishing <laughs> the the annual reviews of entomology is switching over to biological reviews. Yeah. That's possible. That's so, possible. So do you really feel that entomology is dying? Um, I mean, probably not as like an entire discipline, but, um, and, and I've like, I've talked with people who consider themselves entomologists about this. Um, but there, there seem to be increasingly fewer people who consider them and themselves entomologists. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people who are working on insects identify first with you know, ecology or evolutionary biology or systematics um, and stuff like that rather than with their um, taxonomic specialty. And I think that that trend might be true across, you know, a lot of different... uh, different taxa um you know herpetologists and and stuff like that too um but it certainly seems to be true of entomology and so i think that you have fewer people who really consider themselves to be entomologists and um yeah you know there there aren't many or particularly large entomology departments uh they've been folded into natural resources or you know combined with plant pathology and um stuff like that in a lot of places so Mm. so let me let me pose it bigger than what fields or subfields do you see now that we won't have in like 20 50 years well i think we're moving away from taxonomic specialty and moving more toward um sort of a more conceptual delineation of uh of different fields yeah i agree with that we'll we'll altogether lose that sort of taxon specific knowledge but there i think there are fewer and fewer people who think of themselves as you know foremost an expert on a particular group of organisms they more likely think them think of themselves of an expert on you know population ecology or community dynamics or um, biogeochemistry and within that have a you know a, a group of organisms or a type of organism that they study often so instead of like being like, um, you know, I won't be a herpetologist, I'll be a wildlife biologist who specializes in this area or something like that. Sure. Yeah. What do you, what do you think that's come from? Just out of curiosity. I've heard other people articulate that as well. It's a good question. Hmm. Well, I guess I can only speak to what I've heard from around here at Iowa State. But about 15 years ago, there was a large reorganization of the forestry program, the botany program, entomology, things like that. And some of those got combined into these grouped departments like ecology and evolution, ecology, evolutionary and organismal biology or natural resources, ecology management, um, of which I'm in both departments. And so it, it sort of is coalescing away, like I think John was saying, from these more 
um, natural history or taxonomic groupings towards sort of the fundamental way that these scientists approach their questions. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. Um, I don't know if I have the historical perspective to know sort of what came first, the reorganization or that people kind of started thinking of themselves less um, in terms of their their taxon or their natural history grouping and more in terms of um, the approaches or the concepts that they bring to their work. But that seems to certainly be a part of that trend, if not a driving force behind it. Do you see that being negative as in some of the ways that universities serve kind of like their local communities in a way? Like if you don't have like those specialties nearby? I mean, I guess like it depends like where you are in the world, right? Like if you're in Maine or somewhere in the Northeast or Northwest, like probably be good to have like a mammologist or somebody like on the staff. But then if you just focus on how you ask the question or maybe how you look at the science and you end up with odd things like people who study sea turtles who live in Iowa or something. <laughs> hey, you what know, are like, you saying? Up, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's kind of odd, odd kind of mixtures. And, um, well, it probably depends on whether or not you're at a land grant institution. And so what sort of historical programs do to that designation as a land grant, you are, expected to have so agricultural and natural resources related um co-op and extension services kind of thing well yeah but just having like the forestry department and horticulture and things like that so like at uva we didn't have any of that and it it definitely um it's been a a experience and a sharp learning curve to be at a land-grant institution now that takes that mission very seriously Mm -hmm. it's a very different way of approaching sort of just organizing the education than we had at UVA. Hmm. Yeah, I've only had like a little bit of experience over at Virginia Tech and at West Virginia and seeing how it's different, but it's definitely like far more specialized mm-hmm. in a really cool way, but it's just um, interesting to see. Hmm. So, and I think you, as you sort of noted there, that to some degree probably does morph in the um, importance or the the number of folks or the size of those departments based on where in this country that university is located, you know, whether, you know, maybe horticulture and agriculture aren't as important in some areas, right? Mm-hmm. But, or in forestry being more important in others or things like that. But there's, uh, so it certainly morphs with that. But having, I think all of those groups tend to be pretty well represented is my, my feeling, still being a newbie at this whole land grant thing. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my impression too. So we were picking journals, you know, and, and sort of with some tongue in cheek, you know, about, oh, we've submitted a paper here or there or whatnot, but how do you all decide where you submit your papers and like, does impact factor play a role? And I know we've discussed this to some degree, but I sort of want to discuss it in the context of impact factor. I think impact factor is one of the things that I roll into as far as like the reputation of the journal, but I don't think it's solely the only thing. 
but it, it kind of works as a good proxy, like a good shorthand proxy. Because you, you know, you, you just be like, well, you know, impact factor at 3.2 or whatever it is. People are like, oh, okay, cool. And like they have a rel you know, relative kind of heuristic for what that means. Um, you know, if you're working with your co-authors or collaborators or whatnot. Um, I think audience is really important in some respects. But also where you see things fit. And also editorial board, I think, is, is important too. And also so like the subject editors as well um, for certain journals. Yeah. John, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think fit is really important. And that's part of kind of lumping together audience and editorial board and, you know, that type of stuff that they publish. Um, Impact Factor is it's meaningful um i mean i don't really try and parse you know what's a 3.2 versus a 3.4 um yeah, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything <laughs> but you know like i kind of when i when i think about where i want to submit a paper oftentimes i'll come up with a list of journals and you know kind of tear them out um mm -hmm. and there might be you know depending on how good i think the work is um and how broadly interesting i think it is you know that might include you know things like ecology letters or global change biology that are you know up in the eights and nines um but you know more often it includes things that are in you know sort of like the threes and fours and uh and and below that um you know and there are some things whose impact factor and reputation are a little bit decoupled like ecology has a better reputation than its impact factor right now oh yeah far so far so um and you know so i i typically see um you know ecology as being you know one of one of the top journals in our field um and i really? think this reputation exceeds that of journals that at least over the past couple of years have a higher impact factor than it does hmm. you know i really think that a lot of that impact factor can be driven by like one or two papers sometimes um at least at that high end so i don't know yeah that's interesting i don't necessarily i so the the sort of heuristic or the way that um, the group that I did my my dissertation and postdoc with thought about journals instead of tiers or impact factor, we talked about whether it was a single, double, triple, or a home run. That's how we did our tiers. And ecology is definitely just kind of a double in my mind. Um, it's a solid journal. It's where you might put one of your dissertation chapters, but it's mostly filled with a lot of dissertation chapters at this point. Hmm. Um, at so, least in, in my, f my field <laughs> of aquatic ecology and see, so that's very specific. It's a very broad journal and that's probably why, but in aquatic ecology, okay. I, I would more look to, you know, put my work in a different kind of journal again, based on audience or whatnot, then ecology wouldn't necessarily so be the first run? place I would go. Oh, home run is nature or science. And Okay. Depending on how you feel about it, PNAS. A triple would be like nature, climate change, ecology, letters, um, 
you know, sort of that just below. You know, PNAS, I think, has a home run, but people have different feelings. And then a double is the top, top, yeah, okay, yeah, a double is like a top field in your, your or top journal in your specialty field. So, okay, like, okay. limnology and oceanography, um, ecology. Um, so, yeah, I guess I agree with you in that way, John. So maybe we're not, not at so different there. And then a base hit is, um, a, a base hit is just, you know, like a solid paper, but it's really not exciting. It's very incremental. Um, yeah. And then there are, like, bunt singles, which are just like we barely have enough to publish this. <laughs> what, what, are the, what are the sack flies, Grace? What are the sack flies? <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good question. The ones that never should have gotten published. I don't. How far? No, I let's follow this metaphor all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a useful way of talking about it, though. So, like, um, undergraduate papers tend to be bunt singles. Oh, I thought those would have been more like the infield fly rule. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the quality of the undergrad, right? <laughs> but... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's, anyways. What's at the very bottom on this list? Um, natural history. Hmm. 0.051. Wow. So you get cited like once every other year on average. Hold on, I'm going to look up natural history real quick. I'm curious. On average, once every other year. Sure yeah, so I, I think... really nice. I feel like the, um, the openness and the fact that we access most of our papers online and given the way that we can promote them through Twitter and our university, like, press offices, right? And, and so there's some opportunity as well that... I'm a little less worried about, oh, well, if I put it in this specific journal, people in this aligned field might not see it or whatnot, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a little less worried about that, just given even databases, right? Like Web of Science for searching for papers. But I feel like those journals, like they carry, and I think, John, you touched on this with ecology, it's a brand, right? Yeah. It's a trusted brand. If it's in there, you know it's going to be this certain level of science, an ecological science, and it's going to meet that requirement. And so that branding is pretty important. Definitely. Especially as we're moving into online-only journals and things like that that aren't, like, really journals. Uh, Natural History is a magazine, by the way. It's been published since 1900. Oh, hey. The Journal of Natural History, however, has a 0.7 impact factor and is first published in 1844, T.I.L. That's all I got on that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> so. And so you all brought up the editorial board. Is that is that largely in thinking about who there you think would be best able to shepherd your paper through a fair review? I'd say that's that's the primary consideration. Um, You know, you mentioned not liking the editorial board of one of the journals that uh, <laughs> that you looked at, and and I can't honestly say that I have looked at. Well, I guess I guess I I have looked at editorial boards of journals that I don't know well that I'm thinking about, sub, you know, submitting a paper to, 
and using that as a gauge not just of like who could handle it and and do a good job with the manuscript but also like well you know are there people that i you know who i know by reputation on this editorial board um as if that's an indicator of quality it's probably not because i don't know that many people but (laughs) um you know confirmation bias or whatever the hell these psychological terms are yeah no for sure um i know that that i've particularly looked in the last six months or so because the last couple of papers that i've submitted have been very very narrow within an already very narrow field and so it was you know identifying you know journals where it was a population we wanted to reach and then also to you know that had subject editors or people on the editorial board who were familiar enough with the work or who we knew of who would give it a fair shot Mm. kind of thing and then you know working on like prototype type systems there's just not that many of so it's just you kind of come at some of the new methodology it's nice to at least have people who are open to hearing stuff yeah and so you know people we've made you know or I've, i've made contact with and are given presentations to or talk to like it's nice to already have those those connections and so like when they you know they can put two and two together and at least give things i think a fair shot and you know have enough of an idea about what you're doing to be able to find qualified reviewers yeah as well um i think is always good um, absolutely it hurts um, yeah that said i mean i like to give the benefit of the doubt most of the time i feel like if you're on an editorial board of a reputable journal you probably know what you're doing yeah we, i think all agree that we'd like to see fair and balanced diverse and well-represented people on the board and that it actually represents the science yeah and and so i think that that's energy sort of what i was alluding sciences. to huh yeah <laughs> that's and environmental sciences. that's right we're calling you out and throwing some shade here uh no and they're not alone i i i do look at those editorial boards. I cannot say that I've made a decision to not submit a paper somewhere based on the composition of their editorial board from what I can tell from looking at the people and and Googling them and whatnot. But it really does bum me out when I go to a top journal in the field or just a top journal in general and the editorial board is, you know, 60, I mean, not even 60, 70, 80, um, sometimes and more often than not, 90% males from the United States. And that just pisses me off. Like, that's not fucking representative. Sorry, that's not representative of the science. (laughs) And there are smart people out there who are not being asked. I'm sorry. There are people (laughs) who are smart and have things to contribute and who are leaders in their fields who would be fantastic editors and help shepherd along some fantastic science and when they're not represented on editorial boards they're not there getting to make the decisions at the table that help expand our science and continue to help diversify it so it's definitely a bottleneck and it's a problem and i think anytime there's a society that's in charge of a journal that's one thing that they need to be looking towards if they really have a commitment to diversity okay i'm done with my soapbox thank you no i think that's a solid point um I really got nothing else after that. But 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 I don't, uh, at the same time, it's a very small soapbox because I haven't ever made a decision to not submit someplace because of the makeup of their editorial board. So those are some hollow words, I guess, on my side. That's something I should 
should work a little harder on. But hey, no. you know, we all gotta start someplace, and awareness is a place to start. And hopefully, from there, you can uh, make informed decisions about what you want to do. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I'm excited to see where our draft takes us in June, which will be about the perfect time um, that we would have totally forgotten about it. I hope you sign up for some sort of RSS feed or something, Jeff, to remind us about this in many months. I will. This worked well. we got to think of something else dumb to draft at some point. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to actually have any points. Like, I still think we should do a draft of scientists and movies to see how that works out. Yes. Just to give a rough approximate ranking of them. Um, okay, excellent. Well, great show as always. Uh, strongly commend you all um, for bringing the talent. Same. Do you have anything we want to close on? I think this is the most F-bombs in a single show. <laughs> no, I think... We're at, um, we're at that point in that, the semester. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to pay like that processing software that like takes makes the automatic transcripts from our show but maybe if we ever make it big maybe uh, yeah that would be sweet cool all right with that um oh yeah there's actually like stuff that we're supposed to see at the end of the show um you can find us on twitter at major underscore revisions and you can download this podcast through um google play apple podcast and stitcher and you can find us on the interwebs at majorrevisionshow.com. And with that, John and Grace, say goodnight. Good night. Good night.